Attention Idaho and California residents. If you're shopping for a mortgage, contact PacFi, a mortgage brokerage with the top wholesale lenders in the nation. They are committed to simplifying the mortgage process, saving you time and money. Call 858-442-7048 or visit PACFI.com. NMLS number 1462943, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, this is Cairo 7 meteorologist Claire Anderson, and you're listening to Hey What's Up, the podcast. Cue the music. We are joined today by, I think, one of my favorite stations growing up i guess there's only four so i guess it's <laughs> there's a one in four shot uh i'm here with claire from cairo seven how are you doing today good thanks so much for having me i'm excited to talk to you thanks for coming on i uh i grew up in auburn washington uh-huh. um so I, I grew up a huge news junkie as people know i've had tons of amazing uh news anchors and reporters the last couple years uh but i haven't been able to get somebody from from my home stations so I uh, I appreciate Aww. you being the first on here. Um, of course. And, you know, I grew up in Enumclaw, Washington, so I was always in Auburn, too. So we're from the same area. Oh, you grew up in Enumclaw. Uh, so I, I work retail my day job. Our uh, assistant store manager is from Enumclaw, a little bit older, but I always make fun of her because of right when you hit the Enumclaw border, you know when you're in Enumclaw. Oh, yeah. The smell is wrong that is for sure she denies it which is funny she's she's a little bit older than than us but she, yeah she denies that there's a smell in Enum club but i feel like growing up there i i really smelt it when i first started and then as you live there more you become kind of immune to it so she probably doesn't even notice it anymore because i totally was the same way yeah it's it's like a barrier it's like there's a that stephen king book under the dome and you're pretty much under the dome when you hit hit Enum club <laughs> oh yeah, it, you know it's a great town to grow up in, and it was so much fun. But yeah, it definitely has its quirks. Yeah, yes, yes, it does. How how has it been? You've been with Cairo since you said twenty eighteen. Yeah, so about three and a half years I've been with Cairo. How has that been stepping into? Because Cairo is a major market. Um, <laughs> they've had obviously the the two Wapplers, the uh-huh. Wapler Doppler is what I grew up with. Yeah, uh, me too. Me too. I was just looking them up here just a minute ago and it's so funny because I totally remember watching um the sun and Andy and it was just it's so crazy and so funny to think that like now I am doing that as well because I love news growing up we always watched the news and never did I expect myself to be on tv in my home market so it's been really cool and really cool to see the history and to be a part of such a great legacy station yeah you're you're part of the big because I think was it Cynthia? Is Cynthia still there or was Cynthia before you? Stevenson. I don't know Cynthia. Okay, so that was probably the one in between Wappler and your years. Hmm. And you have a huge legacy. Seattle's had some amazing meteorologists, Jeff Renner, yeah. Steve Poole, the Wapplers. What yeah. kind of, does that put a lot of pressure on you um, coming into such a big market and these these names that are just known in the community? I think it, it definitely puts a lot of uh, respect I think when you come in here, you know that there's a lot of people who have been here for a long time. People know the meteorologist. It's also such a really interesting weather market 
because there are so many different microclimates. You know, people always say, you say it's going to rain, but it didn't rain at my house. Well, it rained at maybe your neighbor's house. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, about, you know, they always make the joke about, oh, the weather people never get it right. But it's such an intricate weather system and weather uh, climate that, yeah, there's a lot of pressures in me. You're all just here. And trust me, I've heard every <laughs> joke in the book and it's okay. I get it. I get it. But yeah, I think it's just been so amazing to watch these people grow up and to, uh, you know, Steve Poole just retired not too long ago and just to grow up seeing these people. And then I'm just so honored to be back in my hometown doing what I used to watch and do. So it's really cool. And you were able to share the studio, I get, well, partially from the pandemic, but you were able to share the studio a bit with Steve Rabel before he retired, correct? Uh, Steve is so awesome. You know what's so cool is, so Steve used to live in Enumclaw as well. And uh, we actually would always talk about Enumclaw in the makeup room when we were getting ready. And I always, always, we always shared a lot of um, stories about it because some of his good family friends, I went to high school with them. And we also talked a lot about football. I always tried to ask you about football some way. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you think the Seahawks did this weekend? How do you think they're going to do? You know, what did Russ say about this? So he was just the nicest guy. And you know what's funny is I told him when I started there, I said, Steve, it is so cool to meet you and watch you and to work with you. I used to watch you growing up. And he said, yeah, don't say that. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But, like, to me, it was just he's such a legend. He's such a TV news legend here. So it was such an honor to work with him. And he is just truly the nicest guy. I remember watching something growing up that they compared uh, Steve Rabel, Dennis Bound from King, oh, and yeah. Dan Lewis from Como as kind of like the bro yeah. Jennings and uh, Dan Rather of Seattle, yeah. the big three. I believe it. I believe it. And, you know, those are the, the crew that I grew up watching. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was such a special thing for me to work with Steve, especially. I mean, I got to work with him for a few years because he retired, yeah, during the pandemic. But I got at least two years with working with him. And, you know, so professional and so nice and so humble. And he just really is a good guy. So, yeah, it, it's been a really cool experience to be home and to work with all these people. And I think it's made me a better journalist, a better meteorologist um, because of it. I just remember going to college and coming back home in the summers and the mustache was gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was a you huge know, thing. I, it, it was. And, you know, I, I heard that it was because we went to HD cameras <laughs> or something. And so it was like, hey, Steve, you, you need to get rid of the mustache because of the HD cameras or something like that's that. That's funny. I think. So, um, but, yeah, no, I, I see old clips of him and I'm like, oh, that's how I remember him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. If, if you're listening, Steve, you're on my bucket list. So hopefully you come on next season. Uh, talk talk great, football. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your career. You grew up in Enumclaw. Was was weather always a passion of yours or was it news and you got segued into the weather? Tell us about kind of how you got to where you are. So, you know, what's interesting is like, I've always loved the weather. I've always loved science. I always was the kid who would, if there was a thunder and lightning storm, I'd be sitting outside watching it go by. You know, I grew up going to Eastern Washington with my family. And so there'd be big thunder and lightning storms. And I just loved it. I would be sitting out on the balcony watching it. I just, I thought it was so cool, but never did I think that that would be my job. I didn't even know really that that was a job pathway. You know, you, some of those things you just never think about. And, and so then I ended up going to college and I thought, oh, I'll get my communications degree. Cause I always thought I would do something, maybe sales or marketing. Um, and then I had got some internships and um, I got this internship at Q13. I had one of my mentors reach out to me or someone from my sorority saying, Hey, you should, 
you should think about doing an internship at Q13. They have, they have an internship program. And I thought, oh my gosh, that would be so cool because I also grew up reading the Seattle Times every Sunday. I mean, I would get, I, that was my favorite thing. On Sunday, you get the big Seattle mm-hmm. Times and it's in color, reading it front to back, the, the national news, the local news, the sports. I mean, it's funny when you start connecting those things and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot how much I love that stuff. So I would read all those. And then, so then when this opportunity came up, I was like, oh, I should interview for the, the internship. I went in and it was with Erica Hill at Q13 uh, back in the day. And I just walked in and, you know, we had an interview and she's like, great, okay, you can start next week. And so then when I started, I didn't really ever think about what I was going to do there. I just thought, and they all said, you want to be on TV, right? And I go, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to do that because I grew up um, in high school doing video productions, putting together small movies. Like I loved always standing up in front of people telling information. So it was such a cool thing. Like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. So they really taught me at Q13 to, you know, stand in front of the camera, how to interview people. I mean, it was a full hands-on internship. So I did that. And then during my end of my junior year and my senior year, I had a few more internships and um, at Como, I did a radio sales and also radio promotions, but I kept sneaking up into the newsroom to get coffee and tea. And so like that was, I would always go up in the newsroom. And so uh, Paul Diano, who used to work, did the morning show at Como, um, did the weather. So it was Steve Poole in the evening and Paul Diano. And he's like, hey, you have you ever thought about weather? And I was like, oh, no, I really haven't. He said, let me show you. Why don't you come down and I'll, I'll show you about weather. And I was like, this is so cool. It's a science behind it. You get to explain stuff. And so he was like, I think you could have a great career. If this is, you know, something you're interested in, here's how you do it. And so when he said that, and he said, let's put a tape together for you. When you graduate, go through Mississippi State University and get your meteorology degree. And I think you could have a great career. And I said, okay. And that is how it started. And it's so crazy because I absolutely love it. And I can't think of doing, you know, anything besides this. It's been so much fun. And then, so where, what stations did you work at before you get, came to Cairo? Because you kind of did it pretty quick. Usually a lot of people and a lot of my friends in the industry are still 10, 15 years in, still in kind of those small, mid-sized markets. How did you kind of yeah. pave your way to get to that, to a, what's, what's Cairo, Seattle, a five, uh, 10, 12? 12. 12? around 12 it kind of bounces around a little bit 10 11 12 but um yeah I feel really fortunate you know right out of college I got a job actually while I was still going to college um in Great Falls Montana so they said okay great when can you start I said well I graduate you know on the fifth and they're like great can you start the seventh and I was like whoa can I have like a little (laughs) bit of time before I start um so then I started yeah right after I graduated and I worked in Great Falls Montana at KRTV that was my first station my first market I literally sent out probably a hundred emails at least to news directors and news stations across the country I had a spreadsheet and I just sent off my YouTube link my cover letter everything I mean when people say like you hear a lot of no's you do you know you just it was just i just need one yes to get me my foot in the door and i got it and so i i moved to great falls montana i did the weekend weather um and then i reported three days a week i would i was an mmj i would carry my camera around and my big tripod and i would i would interview people in one of the most embarrassing stories i have to tell you so i had just moved to montana right and you know i didn't know all the 
politicians and everything just yet. And I was still learning one of my first interviews. Well, they said, go interview Steve Bullock. He is a, um, he is, I forget what he was at that time. Um, and they're like, go interview him. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll go. Well, he was the attorney general for the state. And so I remember they were teaching me, like, make sure to ask, say and spell your first and last name. Can you say your title? And I just did that. And then he looked at me and he was just like, you know, I'm Steve Bullock. And he ended up running for presidency not too long ago. And he was the governor of Montana later. And I was like, oh, my gosh. When I first started, I asked him to say and spell his first and last name. And I just remember just being like, you know, those little things when you mm -hmm. start out, like, you you learn and you grow. And so, um, yeah, I was in Great Falls for two years. And then after that, I ended up getting a job opportunity in Santa Barbara, California. And I was telling you earlier that it was either I had a job opportunity that I was looking to interview in Spokane, Washington, which my family's from and uh, Eastern Washington is great. But then I also got a job opportunity in Santa Barbara, California. And I said, sorry, family, I love you, but I need to go thaw out in, <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> I, I think you probably made the right decision. Uh, my producer, Travis, here is also from Spokane. I think if uh -huh. anybody had the choice between a beach city and Spokane, <laughs> they'd probably choose. What, what would you choose, Travis? Uh, it depends what time of the year, but probably Santa Barbara. <laughs> Right. And the thing was, is like, I knew Eastern Washington because my family is from there and, you know, we always go over there and it's so beautiful and everything. But I mean, after two winters in Montana where it's like 30 below zero and you are just frozen, I was like, I need to get into the, the sunshine. And what's interesting too is, so uh, Spokane is a market 70 mm -hmm. and Santa Barbara is like a 120. So it was a bigger market was Spokane, but I had a bigger opportunity the, the Spokane job I was looking at was a weekend weather gig, plus some reporting, and the Santa Barbara was a Monday through Friday morning show weather. Gotcha. So I decided, you know what, I want the more weather opportunity, and I'll take the sunshine. So it was great. I loved living in Santa Barbara. It was so much fun. I got to go to Disneyland a few times, and um, just living at the beach, and, you know, that was a whole nother weather climate that I got to learn and be a part of. So it was a really cool experience. And I worked at KCOY. Um, in Santa Barbara. Do you remember what station in Spokane uh, you had the opportunity from? I remember talking, it was KXLY. I was actually okay. going to go to Spokane the week after I got back from my Santa Barbara trip and I got offered the job uh, right when I got back from interviewing and I was like, I'm going to take the Santa Barbara job. So I called Spokane. I said, you know, thank you for this opportunity, but I think I need to go with this. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny how it all turned out. Now my and then when I left Santa Barbara, my mom said, "Why would you leave Santa Barbara?" I said, <laughs> "Mom, you could we could still go visit there." But she was like really bummed. She's like, "I love visiting you there." I said, "We'll go back on vacation." That's funny. Yeah, if you wouldn't if you would have been at KXY, you would have been with another Montanian at that time. Yeah. yeah. Ariana yeah. Lake was an anchor at that time at KXY. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have gone you know between montana to, to spokane i think it's a very like transitional market a mm -hmm. lot of people do go there and that was kind of always what i thought my path was going to be so um it, yeah a little we'll switch up and going to the beach <laughs> so what's next how do you foresee staying at cairo long term or do you want to move national is is that in your game plan 
Well, you know, it's interesting because after I moved to Santa Barbara, I moved to Portland, Oregon, and, and there was a lot of different opportunities for me at that time. And I, I'm really thankful that I did get to be in Portland. I was there for about a year and a half. And then I had this job opportunity at Cairo. And, you know, when I came to Cairo, it was one of those things that like, I wasn't on the hunt for jobs at the time when I was in Portland. Um, but the opportunity came up and it, it, Cairo is such a great station, you know, like growing up, I knew it was great. The company was great. Morgan um, Palmer and Nick Allard, you know, the weather team was so awesome. And so I was like, I would love to work with them. And so when that job opportunity came, I was like, I have to take it. I have to do this. So when I came to um, Seattle, it was, it was never, it's what's interesting is I never thought that I would end up back in Seattle. Um, it was not something like I have to be back in Seattle because it was, it was home, but I knew how hard it was to get into this market. So um, it just kind of all happened. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I think in TV, things change so much. Um, but I love Seattle. Obviously, it's home. And Cairo is such a great station. So I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't think anybody in TV knows exactly <laughs> what their future holds. Uh, but it's really just been so amazing working with all these people here in Seattle. You know, one of the funny things I always say is uh, I can pronounce all the rivers and all the crazy names um you know when a lot of people come here there are some funky names yep. and mm -hmm. i can just get off those rivers uh like that or, you know different different cities so um yeah it's so great to be home and it's really a cool experience when i get friends or family or old teachers being like oh my gosh i just saw you on the news or i just saw you do that like so it's been really cool that's awesome. I was just thinking because Al Roker on the Today Show just celebrated, I think, his like 40th year on on oh today. Oh my gosh! So, yeah. so the guy has to retire sooner or later. So I'm, yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like that's probably the next progression up is is taking taking Al Roker's spot. I, you know what? If Al called, I would do it for Al. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I just think there's so many great opportunities, and I don't want to say you know one way or the other, but I just think I'm so open, and there's so many amazing places around the country, and I and I also feel so lucky to be in Seattle because I understand that this is a hard gig it's a hard job and to get into different places and you know sometimes even when I'm I'm having a long week or you know something it's I've just been like working so much I remember I have to you know I take a step back and go wow I worked so hard to get to where I'm at today you know I was out in the blizzards and the snow in Montana and I was just like what is ever going to happen here how am I ever going to get past this so I I always try and remember where I came from and all the work that got me to where I am today um, and I'm just so thankful because I do know that this is a hard business and people sometimes would, they would love to have the job I have. So I remember to be thankful for the opportunities that I'm given and where I'm at in my career. So that never, never passes me, even on sometimes day, like 16 in a row. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, let's segue kind of into the other reason I have you on today. Um, yeah. mental health is a huge, uh, area for you. Yes. You do a lot of awareness for for mental health. Um, kind of tell everybody what, what the the causation of that was, and kind of what you're you're doing to help people with uh, mental illness awareness. Yeah, so um, I lost my dad to suicide when I was going into my senior year of college. That was in 2011, and um, you know it was a really really difficult time for me, as it would be for anybody. And you know I had decisions to make. It was okay. Do I go crawl in a hole? Do I not get out? Do I take time off of school? You know, what do I do here? And for me, my decision was, I want to keep going 
And I need to keep working hard because that's what my dad would want me to do. And that's what he would sage to me. And so I powered through and, you know, I finished school and then, you know, got these jobs in TV. And I know he would just be the first person out there being like, Hey, did you see my daughter on Cairo seven today? Like that was Claire, you know, Claire's out there. So for me, it's been, it's been a really difficult journey because right when it happened, I didn't really talk about it very often because I mean, even in 2011, the stigma of suicide, mental illness, um, depression, addiction, it's, I feel like it's always been kind of looked down upon mm -hmm. and I didn't really want to talk about it so much because I was worried about what they would say about my dad, how people would judge him, um, how they would judge me. You know, there was just, there were, it was just really hard to talk about. So, you know, for the first few years, I kept it pretty quiet and my family and friends obviously knew um, how my dad had passed. But it wasn't until I really came back to Seattle, kind of like a full circle moment, that I was able to come back to Seattle. And, you know, what really sparked me speaking out about it was, remember when um, it was like Kate Spade, Avicii, and Anthony Bourdain? I mean, mm -hmm. they all died of suicide within, I mean, a week of each other. And it was just going, what in the world? These amazing, successful people who have it all. What? Why would they do this? And so I remember posting something on my social media, both my personal and then my work Facebook, um, just about, you know, Hey, I lost my dad to suicide too. And I really hope that we can, you know, like bring awareness to it. And the coolest thing for me was the response that I got and the support. I, I guess I hadn't realized until that point that no one really knew what had happened to me because I hadn't spoke about it. And so I feel like that really opened up the door and I have just felt, it's actually been really healing for me, I think, to be able to speak about mental health and awareness because he suffered from depression and I think from probably his whole life. And, and, you know, I just see it as like, it's a disease. It's a disease that we need to find help with. These are not things that you need to deal with on your own and addiction. And, you know, suicide is a, it's a consequence of some of those, of, addiction and depression and things that people go through. I think that is, it's not, it doesn't just randomly happen. And I think we need to talk about the things leading up to it and how can we get help and not be afraid of talking about it and helping others because there are so many people that I think, think, oh, why I can't speak up. I'm afraid about it. But if we talk about it and you know, if, if we bring it up, then maybe it will be easier for people to ask for help and not be so stigmatized because when we have diabetes, we get insulin. You know, if we break a leg, we go get surgery to fix it or a cast. Why don't we do something for our brain? And so that has just been such a passionate thing for me. And I feel like if I can do anything to honor my dad is to help others. So I just, I find it so, like I said, healing for me, but also such a passion because I, I do want to help people. I think that also, you know, I am a meteorologist and I am on TV and I am lucky enough to have a platform to reach people. And I think it's also my job then to also bring awareness and to help people. And I think one of the coolest things is when people say, they message me and they say, hey, thanks for sharing your story. I didn't know that about you, but I lost my dad or I lost my brother. And, you know, thanks for showing that you can get through this. And, you know, it's like, we all have a decision every day if we're going to, you know, let this define us and let this take us down, but we can get through it. And I think if we talk about it, we will all, we can all support each other because I'm sure there's people, you know, that have been affected by it, if not directly, but I think everybody has somebody that's been impacted by mental health 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I, I really do feel like that's something that will be a part of my life forever. Have you been able to work with any organizations since you've been back in Seattle to uh, help bring awareness to this issue? Yes. So what's a really, what's really cool and very full circle again is, so when I was in college, um, in my junior year, I actually lost one of my sorority sisters to suicide. Um, someone I was very close with, someone that was, you know, someone who was so, she was beautiful and bright and ha- she played music and she went to church and she had a great family. Like everything looked perfect on the outside. And so when she died a suicide, we were all so shocked. I mean, it was like, how could that happen to that person? And so we actually walked for her at the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, the walk out of the darkness walk for her in college um, around Green Lake. Well, then the next year, almost almost one year later, my dad died of suicide, which is really interesting because I had talked to him about losing my friend to suicide. So then one year later, I lost my dad. Well, then when I came back to Seattle eight, nine years later, um, I was asked to speak at that event, the suicide prevention out of darkness walk. And I was able to really share my story. And I spoke in front of a few hundred people and it was such a cool experience. I just, to feel surrounded by people who also understand what you're going through. Um, and then to have people come up to me after just like, Hey, I, you know, thank you for sharing your story. It means a lot. And I don't think I really realized how much it meant to people until you start sharing it because mm-hmm. you just think, oh, this has just been my struggle that I've been going through. But until you really, you know, hear other people, I think it just means a lot to, for other people to know, hey, you're not alone. Like, we're all going through. We've all dealt with it. So, um, yeah, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention has been so supportive and I love to support them. Um, and, you know, I also did a fundraiser with them as well to help raise money. And there's so many great organizations out there as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we're going to segue kind of to the, the two fun parts of the show. Okay. Um, the first one, uh, he's gotten a lot more comfortable since January, but, uh, before this whole, so speak, uh, what's the new name now? SB studios. SB studios. Thank you. Uh, uh-huh. uh, when they started back in January, um, my producer, Travis hasn't been, uh, involved in the, the talking side so much. You know, he's, he's a great producer. He's done a lot uh-huh. of amazing things. So I give him two to three questions every episode. Um, last few weeks he's been he's been doing a lot of great questions. So this is how many do you want today? Two or three? We're just doing two. That's all I can think of. Okay, we got two questions with Travis. Take it okay. away. Travis. You always uh, you always end up taking a lot of my good questions when we start. By the time it gets to my segment, it's the job of a host. Um, yeah. So my question was uh, kind of I guess similar thing that I do a little bit. But how did you uh, get your like first internship at a news station, and what did they exactly have you doing there? Okay, so how I got the first internship um, is was so crazy. It was like, you can go to their websites and they'll say job opportunities or something. And it said like internship and somebody at my sorority, one of my mentors at the sorority knew that I was in communications and I was looking for an internship. And so she emailed it to me and said, hey, what do you think about this? This would be kind of cool. And I thought, yeah, that'd be super cool. So I mean, I it was funny because we were supposed to have a phone call interview and uh, and I was like, oh, hey, I'm actually right outside the building. I'm right next door. Why don't I just drop by and meet you in the office? And she's like, okay. So then when I did that, then she gave me the interview as I, as I was in the office. So that was a really cool thing. And 
Um, the internship was amazing. It was really cool because I would come in several days a week and they had me do a lot of things. So I was really able to be hands-on and that's not the situation at every station. Um, it really just depends on what station you work for, what the union thing, what are, what are the different rules there? But I would go out with photographers to different stories. And I remember the coolest thing is I would go out with them to a story and the photographer I was riding with would say, here's the microphone. Okay, you're gonna ask the questions. And I'm like, me? I'm gonna ask the questions? I can't ask the questions. I'm in college. And I'm like, yes, you can. You ask the questions. And so my hand would be in the story. And so I'd call my dad. I said, okay, dad, turn on Q13 News at nine o'clock during this story. You'll see my hand. Watch <laughs> my hand. And he's like, oh, okay, got it. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Um, so I got to do that kind of stuff. I got to, um, be in studio, I got to practice anchoring at the desk, you know, when they weren't working, you know, there's a lot of downtime in the studio. So I got to practice that. I got to sit in, um, I got to do some sports stuff too. That was really fun. I actually got to go meet Paulo Anton Ono, like right after the Olympics and that kind of stuff. I got to go to lots of the stories, lots of breaking news. I mean, I, and sit at the assignment desk and have to call, hi, did you see any power damage in your area? You know, answer phone calls. So I really got a full experience so that I could kind of learn um what it was like so i and i would t i tell people that internships are some of the best things you can do because that's when you really get to learn and figure out what do you like to do i i got practice of writing uh the scripts for the show i also got to practice writing scripts for the web um so just hands-on and i loved it and they were i would sit at the in the director's booth or out on set at like 10 o'clock on a friday and they'd be like why are you here you're in college go have fun at college. And I was like, you don't understand how cool this is. Like, <laughs> I want to sit here and do this. And they're like, okay, Claire. So nice. Well, that's cool. Uh, what other, what else were you interested in? I guess, besides just weather during that, uh, during your first couple of internships? Um, you know, I, I love news. Um, I'm a news junkie too. Like I love breaking news. I've always loved it. You know, back reading the newspaper. I used to watch CNN back in the day too. Like, I'm like, and I used to go on Twitter all the time, like back when it first started mm -hmm. in college, I got a Twitter and I think it was more because celebrities started getting on Twitter. And so they were tweeting and I thought it was just so cool. So I got a Twitter. I mean, I didn't tweet anything, but I've always loved news. So, um, it was just, I was really interested in telling the stories. I also loved the video part of it. So I learned how to edit and everything. So I, I don't know. It was just really cool that we could, I could be a part of getting something together and then sharing it on air. So that was awesome. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Just kind of a little <laughs> bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's so good to like be able to do everything. I think, especially in this business, when you start, they're like, okay, great. You're going to do the weather, but you're also going to be a MMJ, which is a multimedia journalist. You're going to shoot all your own stuff. You're going to interview people. You're going to edit it, upload it, write it, uh, front it in front of everybody. So I mean, you have to know how to do everything. So it's really all hands for everything. That's cool. I think that's kind of a unique, I feel like a lot of businesses don't really operate like that. I guess it's kind of a unique environment a little bit. Um, and oh, then my uh, final quick question, what sorority were you in? I was at Delta Gamma Okay. at University of Washington. And what's really cool is that my mom was a Delta Gamma at UW as well. So were my two aunts and my grandma was a DG at Wazoo. So... I was a double legacy at UW, DG, and uh, yeah, I mean, I have so many great things to say. Not only I made so many great friends 
Um, but you know, the legacy was really cool to be like, so when my mom helped me move into the sorority, she's like, I used to live in this room. And when when my dad, my dad was in a fraternity at UW, he was an alpha sig and that's how they met. And so then when my dad would come to the fraternity, the sorority, he was like, I used to wait for your mom in this room. And <laughs> I used to come over here. So it was a really cool thing for me. And, and you know, I am such a um, uh, an advocate for sororities as well because there's so many, you know, great things that come out of it and networking. Um, so, yeah, I had a really great experience with that. That's awesome. My dad was a Zate right across the street. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I think one of my uncles was a, a Zate aside. Or maybe my was my grandpa. I swear all my uncles and aunts were in the Greek system. So I'd go to different houses being like, Oh, that's there, there. So it's a cool family thing that we've been a part of. And um, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's uh two and a half questions with Travis. <laughs> I, I love talking and answering questions. So anything you guys got, <laughs> I just did a quick research. I have not seen somebody on Twitter as almost as long as I have. So I joined Twitter <laughs> April of 2009 and it looks uh-huh. like you joined August of 2009. So we were, we were like oh, both OG Twitter yes. Twitter folks. So. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I know, I looked at it the other day and I was like, wow, I really started a long time ago. But it was because it was this new thing and I just wanted to follow what the celebrities were tweeting about. They were getting off MySpace and going to Twitter and so I thought, oh, I want to look at this. And so, yeah. You have about 7,000 more followers than me though. So oh. you're, you're, you're beating <laughs> me there and you got the blue check mark. Thanks, Twitter. They still have not, <laughs> they have still not verified me. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not bitter at all. It's one fine. day, one day. One day, hopefully. Yeah. Um, we're going to segue. So okay. I don't know how many episodes you've listened to of the podcast. Uh-huh. Hopefully all of them. Probably not, but hopefully all of them. I've listened to a few, yes. I was looking at some of them, especially before I came on. Um, hopefully you didn't listen to the Bob Saget one because we're still doing our patent pending pop quiz. Okay. So we have a team of independent fact checkers uh, okay. that are probably as good as... Uh, as uh, is Jesse Jones still in Cairo Seven, or did he switch? Oh yeah, to- yeah. love Jesse. So we we have we have our own Jesse Jones. I so, love it. Um, it's five questions. Okay. So far in the two seasons, somehow everybody's gotten every question correct. Okay. Um, but if you miss a question, uh, there is a consequence, and oh, so that is I become the new meteorologist of Cairo Seven. So basically, I'm, I take. Uh, oh, okay. We switch spots. Great. So, uh, you know, they might notice a difference. I think we, our hair colors are a little different, but besides that, <laughs> <laughs> I can find a wig. It's fine. I can hey, see yeah. Bob, Bob Saget was the most, uh, the, the most pressure. Cause I told him I take over America's funniest videos and he uh, reminded me he hasn't been on the show in like 15 years, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, oh, question number one, what was the most bizarre weather event you've had to cover in your news career? Oh my gosh. Um, probably when I was down in Santa Barbara, it was Christmas night and we were just about to go off the air and all of a sudden a fire started on the hillside um, down towards Ventura. And all of a sudden the, I mean, it was so windy up on the top of the hill where this TV station was that it was like almost shaking and rattling. Well, the fire sparked and it spread and it spread everywhere. And we were seeing videos of people driving their cars, trying to get along the one one with the fire. And so we ended up staying live on air for almost three hours after it. I mean, we were tracking it. It was Christmas. The fire was going crazy. I mean, it was just, one of the craziest things 
ever. I mean, we were already okay. We've got one more block, almost time to go home. And then it was just like explosion of fire. And that was, that was one of the craziest things and the videos coming out of that. All right. And they're checking the answer. All right. You're one for one. Again, when you hear this on playback, you'll hear the round of applause there. All right. One for one. <laughs> Question number two. So mm-hmm. I'm a huge news junkie like yeah. yourself, but a lot of stations do some really corny things with their uh-huh. weather, you know, weather on the sevens or weather mm-hmm. every five minutes. What do you think is the the funniest like weather segment name you've had to be a part of? Or if you have. So one of the things I remember when I came to Cairo 7, and it was just a mouthful. I have to say, I meet your all just Claire Anderson with the Cairo 7 pinpoint storm tracker weather team. Like, (laughs) and it was like, you know, and I remember my news director being like, no, you have to say the Cairo 7 pinpoint storm tracker, not just the pinpoint storm tracker, the Cairo 7. And, you know, sometimes we only get like 30 seconds to do a weather hit. And I felt like half of my time is taken up by saying the Cairo 7 pinpoint seven day forecast. Like, I mean, the branding sometimes. So that was always funny. And um, and you know what's funny too is the other thing is sometimes I have a hard time. I find myself saying wet roadways. And sometimes I go, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, <laughs> wow, where did that come from? So like sometimes even just saying things on air will trip me up. But uh, yeah, that's probably one of the craziest is having to say those long um, taglines. And Cairo's a mouthful. Yes. Uh, <laughs> fact checking, fact checking. All right, you're two for two. All right, so hopefully, hopefully we can find a way to get an answer for this one. Okay. What has been, excluding Cairo, uh-huh. your most favorite affiliate that you've worked for and why? Man. I think at different stations for different reasons. Ah, okay. You're going to do one of those answers. Okay. But I'll, I'll tell you why this, because when I was in Santa Barbara, it was really fun because they had a duop, like a triopoly, I think it is. So they uh-huh. had, so on the morning shows, they had ABC and CBS and I was on the CBS, but they were running in the same station. We were owned by the same people. And then after from, from seven to eight o'clock, the two teams on each association would then go work and do the Fox show. Um, and then from there, that Fox show was kind of a more fun. Um, we had guests, we had food people, we had dancers. So that was a really fun thing that I haven't been able to really do at another station. That was just a really unique thing. So that was kind of fun. It was like, Oh, who's in here today? Oh, we've got the, you know, the salsa dancers from Santa Barbara doing this. Or now we have a chef from over here. So that was a really fun thing that I really enjoyed doing. Like I love that kind of stuff too. All right, you're three for three. (laughs) Question number four. Okay. And also there's a six bonus question that won't count, so it's fine. Okay. Um, Question number four is, what do you prefer, the softer side of the morning news or kind of the heavier side of the evening news and why? I think my personality, I really, I love doing the morning shows. Um, I think because I get to have more of a personality, I get to joke around a little bit more. It's a little looser. You kind of get to, you know, make a little bit more fun of things. You get to talk a little bit more about the funny kicker stories and that kind of stuff and make jokes. And so I, I, you know, I think that's where I get to be myself the most. 
Um, I think evening news, you know, I think it's great too, but it definitely is a more serious side. There's a lot more um, structure and there's a lot more time constraints. So it's a different vibe, that's for sure. So I think if I, the only thing that's hard about the morning show is, man, you got to get up so early. But if we're just talking about what's more fun, um, I think sometimes my personality, I enjoy being myself. And on the morning show, you can do that a little bit more. All right. I think, yep, you're four for four. <laughs> Obviously, Washington State, especially Western Washington, has had um, a lot of crazy weather. They've had yeah. Mount St. Helens erupting. They, there's been a lot of crazy things in Western Washington. Uh-huh. What is one question you would ask Steve Rabel, Dan Lewis, Dennis Bounds? What would what would you ask them as um, a question about the past of like Seattle news history, if you had the chance? Um, I probably have asked Steve this. I mean, I like to ask Steve questions, um, but I would probably say, what was the most memorable story or the most memorable moment or thing that you would have had to cover, whether that be, you know, sad or happy or breaking news sort of thing? Like what really sticks out? Um, and I love to ask those questions too. So I love that you asked me that because that's something that I ask. you know, I asked Steve, like, Steve, what was it like, you know, when this happened or what was it like this? So I think that'd be something is I would want to know what was the most impactful for them um, that they still remember. Like, I remember when that happened, because I think we all have that. Um, maybe not to the same extent, but, you know, I remember where I was when this story happened and I had to cover it. So that would be what I would want to know. And taking away the fire incident, what would your answer to that same question be if you got asked this in 10, 15 years? Um, in Seattle, I think one of the craziest things I covered is remember when that crane collapsed? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we were actually, the Cairo 7 News team was nominated for an Emmy for that. And that was my first Emmy nomination. And as a team, we really covered it. And it was, it was a really crazy day because I drove that road twice that day where the crane fell. And because I was going over to do some practice rowing um, on Lake Union. And I drove that way, then I drove back. And as I was driving to work that afternoon, which was maybe half an hour, an hour after I'd already driven it, I saw all these different ambulances and things screaming by me. And I was like, what is going on? And I noticed it was really windy. And I was like, okay, I feel like something's going on. So I ran to the newsroom and I said, what happened? And they're like, a crane just collapsed. They hit cars. This is bad. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I remember I went into the weather center and it was, um, while we were covering it, there were so many questions like, how could this happen? What is going on? Um, and I remember being like, I think there was something that with weather that had to do with it. Like not the full thing, but I was like, I think we got to add some of this weather coverage stuff. And so it was a really, um, intense because we were going breaking news live. And so I was showing them people on the radar, like, Hey, this came right through right at the time that the crane collapsed. It was kind of this big gust front that came right off South Lake union, exactly the right timing that the pins were out. So that was something that I was really involved with and that it was, it was crazy. And the fact that people died and it was just like, so horrific. I mean, that was something that really has stuck in my mind. That's, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. That was my way of stalling to see if the fact checking was. <laughs> You're five for five. Aww. And the bonus question, because you interned for Q13, correct? Uh-huh. 
I don't know. I don't think the slogan's the same anymore. But do you remember the the Q13 10 o'clock news slogan? Isn't it Q13 we're working for you or something? I mean, that could be the one now. But the, the big, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 2008. Okay, so I'm a year older than you. So, yeah, it definitely was a different slogan when we were in high school. Okay, what was it? It was at 10, it's news. At 11, it's history. Because remember, they oh, had the news an hour earlier than King, Cairo, and, yeah, and Como. You're right. You're they, right. They tried to differentiate themselves. And oh, I, interesting. I think since they got bought out, I think they are doing 11 o'clock now. Are they, are they still doing oh, 10 o'clock? And yeah, it's, it's Fox 13 now, but yep. it's so funny because I, I mean, it's gonna it's a like calling SeaTac SEA now or T-Mobile Park. I kind of still call it Safeco. I don't. So I will never call it. I will never call it T-Mobile Park. I don't care. I know, and like the key arena, it'll always be like, oh, you know, key arena. Like when I'm talking in just general, where it is. So and the Puyallup Fair. Also. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. A hundred. So, yeah. All right. So you got you got five out of five. I should have added that bonus question as an actual one because I would have. That would have been the first time. <laughs> Yeah. I would have won. It's yeah. fine. We won't. We won't go there. Okay. Um, did you work? Did you work with Bill Wixty at all during your internship at Q13? Yes. Yes. He was an in. Uh, no, he was working there when I was an inter intern, and I worked with him a lot. And you know what's so funny is that when I um, he worked at KRTV way back in the day. So when I went to go work at KRTV, and I was like going from Seattle, the people who worked to the news station we're like oh yeah bill wixie used to work here a bunch of people and so then i saw bill at a just a, a social event a, like several right when i started i said bill i don't know if you remember me but i was an intern way back in the day with you and i worked at krtv and he was like no way and he's like i do remember you you were always hanging out late and i was like <laughs> i know so uh yeah, it's, it's such a small world. It's so cool, you know, to be able to now work with people that I was interning with. That's amazing. So I, I feel lucky. Yeah, it's really cool. So at the end of the show, I always turn it over to the guests to ask me a few questions. Uh -huh. I, I love it when people in the news are on the show because they always ask, I won't say the best questions, but uh -huh. a little more thought-provoking, not to uh -huh. talk bad with anybody in the past because everybody's asked great questions, but... Uh -huh. You have a journalism degree, so I'm expecting yeah. I'm expecting some good ones. So I think one of my questions for you is like, what made you get into doing this podcast and speaking to people? Um, you know, I had a talk show for a while in Spokane. Mm -hmm. um, I've I, I I really the the real reason I wanted to do it was uh, partially because I am a news junkie, um, and my friend Ariana Lake, who was at KXY, uh, she was my first guest on the talk show. Um, and she told me that uh, I would be great in news and I should get an internship. And I said, I'm too old. I do not want to not work for, for free at 20, 28 years old. There's no way I'm going back to college. Um, coupling with my stand-up career, I was like, I could probably do something similar, but on my own terms. Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic hit and uh, I was looking to film the talk show again here in Boise where I moved. And it just didn't it didn't work out with mm -hmm. with all um, the the COVID restrictions, which were very good to have. Just kind of hard to create something new during the during the pandemic. Um, and then SB Studios were opening down here in Boise, and I saw a targeted ad on Instagram. So whoever whoever's paid for that, Travis, you can thank them. 
You've been stuck. You've been stuck with me for almost a year now. Um, and I actually never really got into podcasts. I'm. I was. I can. I'll admit. I'm not. I'm not an avid podcast listener now. Um, because we're a talk show. You know. You, you obviously know how a- a- revenue comes in. Advertising sponsors. Podcasts uh-huh. are almost always free to listen to. So I don't under. I never understood the revenue stream there. I still don't. I still don't, Travis. Um. So, uh, it's been different. It's been different. It, this is a different format for me. I like having an audience. I like um, kind of getting that immediate reaction. But this has given me an opportunity to talk to a lot of amazing people like yourself that I probably wouldn't get to if I had the talk show. Because uh, obviously that would have been pre-pandemic. Now it's easy. You can still zoom in and do a talk show. They've, they've done it on The Tonight Show and stuff since the uh-huh. pandemic. Um, but it's, it's been really interesting. I've learned so much. Because even when I talk to 8, 10, 12 different news reporters and anchors and multimedia journalists, they all have different stories. You hear different insights to what makes them unique, especially when you think about it. I've been talking to people on the East Coast, West Coast, and the stories are totally different too. Um, the similarities, you know, you have two-year contracts, which I don't think now, looking back onto it, I would have survived. That's, that, <laughs> it's that, hard. It must have been hard. <laughs> Every two years, not knowing where you're going to be, I was some of my anchor friends are like it's hard to date when you don't know if yep. you're going to be here for long term. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of that's the long long version of the the story. That's really cool, and um, I might have three questions. Um, the other one that I wanted to ask you about is what is your cause? What is your thing that you're passionate about about spreading the word? Because I think we all have something that we really care about. What is yours? Uh, I think it, it, it's always evolving. I don't know if it's just one thing. Um, the whole second season of this podcast has been talking about strong women in the workplace. Um, so this whole, I think I've had eight or 10 this fall of just amazing women. Um, and hearing different stories about their struggles and the things they've had to overcome. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize it. Um, you know, I've talked to a few of my news friends about, you know, there's this whole bad side of social media because there's a lot of objectifying people. Um, and that's hard, too. And I, I, that's part of the reason as well that I do this is I want them to see that there's um, it's it's a it's a horrible thing that's been going on because these people are doing so much for the community. Um, I also like to talk about. um Asian American situations. There's been a lot of hate for Asian Americans this last year and a half. Um, so whatever we can do to do more minority-led businesses, uh, minority-led causes, getting their voices out there as well. Um, I've tried to get a lot of that the last year and a half. Um, same with LGBT causes. Um, I worked at an LGBT bar in Spokane. Uh, Idaho is known to be a little more red, but there's been a lot of great things here in Boise that I've been able to be a part of as an ally to help spread awareness there. So I think, um, you know, I have... A, a smaller platform, but it's still a platform that I want to, you know, showcase all these amazing talents that are um, now able to do across the whole United States. And the other thing is I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned since doing all of this and talking to different people? Uh, when I'm talking to people like you, it's that I have a lot more uh, that I need to learn about public speaking. Um, I think I've learned that there's so many stories out there. You know, I thought, you know, when I, after I talked to so many comedians or so many musicians, 
it would get stale. You know, you, you hear the same story so many times, but it really hasn't. Every single person I've talked to has had such a unique story. And it's kind of the reason I like talking to, to the news people as well is as, as much as the news can do, you guys are stuck to 26 minutes and commercials or sometimes a couple hours, depending on what time of day you're watching. But there's so many talented people out there that you can't um, showcase all of it. Uh, so that's kind of the thing I learned that there's so many stories out there and there's, I don't think even with podcasts and, and YouTube and all these other sources, enough avenues for a lot of these talented folks out there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for doing this because I'm, I'm there with you. I, I believe that there are so many amazing stories to tell. And I think that the more we tell and the more that we get out the stories about what people have been through, what they've done, it makes us all kind of more compassionate as people, but also understand people more. And maybe that's when we can understand and be a little kinder to each other because we've all been through something. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's what I think my whole thing with social media is, you know, people tend to use it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, we both were on Twitter when it was Ashton Kutcher, you, me, yeah. and like four other celebrities. It's It should be yeah. a place where you can connect. And yeah. I think really have conversations about, about things that are important. It's harder to do it on Facebook these days because it gets way too political. It's yeah. definitely harder to do it on Instagram because it's it's photos and, and people mm -hmm. dancing. Um, but I feel like Twitter, I mean, Twitter has always been that constant medium where you can have conversations. Yeah. I wasn't a fan when they bumped it from 140 characters to 280. But since then, it's like, why not have these these conversations? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I Claire, I appreciate you coming on today. Where can the, the fans and people listening to this find you on, on social media and connect with you? So I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, Cairo, K-I-R-O, seven. So those are my handles for all of those. They are all the same. Um, and yeah, I love posting on social media. I like to post, you know, obviously I forecast the weather. I'm a meteorologist, so I love posting weather stuff. But I also like posting... But like, I'm a real person. I like to do fun things. I like to go out to eat. I like to spend time with my friends and my family. And I think it also helps just kind of humanize us because mm -hmm. we are humans. Like, you know, I think a lot of times people think we're robots up there. Or we don't have feelings. You know, people write in comments about what we look like. And, you know, I get it. It's TV media, but we also have feelings. And I think that the more people get to know us as people, it's that we're all in this together here. And uh, so... I, I love people following. I love people. I love sharing my life with people. And, and again, sharing mental health awareness and my story. If I can help people, um, if I can make them smile, if I can bring awareness and just weather awareness also, like, I hope that that's why people follow me too. Have you joined the, the trend of all these news personalities joining TikTok and doing okay, the dances so, behind the scenes? First of all, I am not a good dancer. So... I, I love to dance. Don't get me wrong. At a wedding, at a party, I will dance, but we are not reporting me dancing. <laughs> um, I support everybody that does, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not putting myself out there. I have done a few TikToks, just doing like a few little funny ones, um, things to not say to a meteorologist. That was probably one of my uh, ones that I got the most traction because it was like, oh, you still get paid and you, you get paid and you still get the forecast wrong. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, new one. Like never heard that one before. So I've done a little bit, but I also just like going on it and seeing all the funny videos. I go down like a TikTok hole sometimes. So I haven't danced. 
probably will not dance, but I love it. And you know, if we can use it to connect with people, it's awesome too. Most so I am on there. Okay. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Again, when, when you hear this playback, you'll hear some um, some amazing music. Let's play us out, Travis. We'll be back next week. Uh, thanks again for coming. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Hey What's Up podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Give a five-star review. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jared Munson. Also, don't forget to follow Speak Boise as well. Thanks, you guys. We will see you again next week.